This is Catholic Daily Brief. Episode 24. What is an angel? Well, today, it's September 29th. It's the Feast of the Archangels. Gabriel, Michael, and Raphael. So I thought it would be a fitting time to do an episode on what exactly is an angel. Now, if we were just doing this episode in isolation, we'd need to make a lot of different arguments for why we believe that angels exist, why there are spiritual beings. But given the fact that we've gone through proofs for God's existence and the immortality of our soul, we won't need to do that as much. And given that we've also gone over the reliability of Scripture, we can, of course, take it as a given that Scripture also confirms that angels exist. We'll quickly here at the beginning go over just a few of those reasons as to why we would believe that angels exist given God's existence. But most of this episode will be trying to describe what an angel is exactly. What are they like? What do they do? What is their nature? Are there different kinds of angels? What are the different kinds of angels, etc.? We don't really need to go through all of the mentions of angels in scripture because it's overwhelmingly clear that angels are mentioned in scripture. It's always been the belief of the church since the very beginning that angels exist, so it would be superfluous to go through that. Just go read the Bible and you'll see how often angels come up from the very beginning all the way up until the very end. So just a, a little preliminary argument as to why we'd, we would expect angels to exist given the fact that God exists and created us. We already see there's kind of a gradation of beings in creation. You have inanimate things. You have things that live with simply a nutritive or like a vegetative life. You have animal life that has sense but still no reason. And then you have man, human beings, union of body and soul. So we have purely material things and a spectrum of existence all the way up until material things that have an immaterial part of them. Well, it makes sense, and this is the reasoning of St. Thomas Aquinas, it would make sense then that in this whole spectrum of creatures that God created, since there are purely material things and then combination of material and spiritual things, that is, human beings, then it would make sense that also in the order of creation there would be purely spiritual creatures. Now, of course, we know God is purely spiritual, but he is not a creature. So it makes sense that God would create things even more like to himself in that sense, that is, purely spiritual. And they are also personal beings. They're spiritual beings. They have intellect. And if you have intellect, you also have will. Because when you perceive something with your intellect, you perceive a good with your intellect, you have an inclination towards the good, and that is what the will is. So angels are purely spiritual personal creatures. And of course, we see many representations of angels from flying little baby cherubs to winged androgynous looking creatures. But we have to remember that even when they appear in scripture, they appear in a way that man can interact with them. That is, they take on an appearance. There are some who say that they actually kind of take on material appearance when they appear to human beings or that perhaps it's just a, a direct action of God on the intellect so that the human being is able to see that which is not actually able to be seen. So angels are purely spiritual. That's hard for us to understand that they can be personal, but also have no resemblance to us in the material sense. No body, no brain, anything like that. 
And while they're spiritual, uh, they are not eternal. They are immortal, of course, they don't die, but they were still created by God out of nothing. They did not exist from all eternity like God. Also, given the fact that they're not material, they don't live in a material world, they also don't experience time in the same sense that we do. They don't experience eternity in the same way God does, but they still don't experience time like we do because time is something that depends on motion and change and those things are done in the material realm. So it's kind of a mystery, of course, how angels would experience time. We know that they act at different points in history, but their experience of time must be very unlike ours because they don't experience change in the same sense that we do moment to moment. Another interesting thing that follows because they are immaterial spiritual beings is that what makes one human being different from another is while we have the same nature, we all share human nature, what individuates us, what makes us different from each other, is the fact that we are human souls in individual pieces of matter. My body makes me different from you because you have a different body. You are a different instance of human nature, and that is a function of having bodies. But angels don't have bodies, so how can they be different from one another if they share the same nature? Well, St. Thomas says the answer is they don't share the same nature. Yes, they are all the same in the sense that they are all purely spiritual, intellectual beings, but each angel is, if you want to put it this way, a different species. Each angel is different from each other angel more than different species of animals are different from each other, which is kind of an astounding thing to think about. It also shows the richness of God's creation, that everything expresses in a different way the infinity of God's goodness and wisdom. So all of the angels are as different from each other as different species are from each other here in the material world. As different or perhaps more different. So all the images we see in sacred art of all these angels gathered around the throne of God and they all kind of look the same is not really accurate. Of course, they don't look like anything, but to make them appear as if they are uniform in that way really isn't accurate. All they share in common is the fact that they are spiritual, personal beings. Each angel is a unique kind of thing. Uh, even if we explain the different orders of angels that we hear about in scripture, you know, archangels as opposed to cherubim and seraphim as opposed to guardian angels, they're distinguished by their function. But even that wouldn't be enough to individuate them. Even among the archangels, Gabriel, Michael, and Raphael are not three similar kinds of things. They're similar only in that they are principal messengers of God, but they still are individuated in a totally unique way. They are their own kind of thing. So that's a pretty cool thing to think about, that um, each angel is that unique. Your guardian angel is not like other guardian angels. Another question that St. Thomas raises is, can angels be in a place? And the answer is not exactly. We are in a place because our body occupies a certain amount of space. That's what we mean by being in a place. But with regard to angels, and actually also God, they are present where they exercise their power, where they act. So that's why we say God is everywhere. In the sense that he is acting upon each individual thing, every single thing that exists, he's acting on it at every moment, sustaining it in existence. So God is everywhere. Angels are in a place in a similar way. The angel Gabriel was in Nazareth at the home of Mary and Joseph because Gabriel was acting there. Yes, Gabriel also took on an appearance to dialogue with Mary, 
but there's no sense in which an angel occupies a place. Gabriel was relaying God's message, acting there before Mary to exercise his mission, which was to relay God's saving plan to her. Another very interesting attribute of angels is the way that they know things. So consider that our knowledge is successive. I know something and then I know more about it, and then maybe later on I kind of correct a concept I have because it was wrong, because I've learned more about it. That's how we learn. And we reason moment after moment. I make an argument by first saying one thing, then saying another thing, and then follows a third thing. Our development of knowledge, both individually and collectively, happens over time, sometimes a long amount of time. But that's mostly because we are bodily. We learn through the senses. Sometimes our senses are deceived. Sometimes our brains are impaired. Sometimes our minds aren't as strong. They're not able to know things as well. And so we live in time and are able to learn more or correct ourselves over time the more we learn about something. Now, what is knowledge like when you don't have a body and you don't rely on senses? You are just an intellect and a will. Well, St. Thomas says that the angels, all of their knowledge is given directly by God. They do not reason to it. They do not sense things and then abstract certain concepts. They know everything they are to know the moment they are created. And they don't think discursively moment after moment because, as we said, they don't experience time in the same way. So that's why the angels, from just after the moment of their creation, were either good or evil, were either in glory or fallen. Because as soon as the angel was created, and they were all created in grace, they were not created with the vision of God because when we have the vision of God, it is impossible to turn away. But they were created in grace, and they were created with all of the knowledge that they were to have and that differed from angel to angel. But with that knowledge, their will either was drawn to the good, drawn to God, or decided to rebel against God. After this decision was made, the angel was fixed in that decision because they do not change over time in their knowledge, and therefore their wills do not change. That's why the good angels are in glory eternally, and the fallen angels are damned for all time. Their wills cannot change. Even the fallen angels in hell, they experience sorrow, but not sorrow for having offended God. They're just sorrow at their, their punishment and their lot. Their wills are still fixed eternally against God. That's why C.S. Lewis says the gates to hell are locked from the inside, that those who are there are fixed in their rebellion against God and would not leave even if a chance were given, as strange as that might sound. That also, by the way, kind of gives an insight into our lot in eternity. What the angels do in, let's say, an instant at the beginning of their creation, we are given a whole lifetime to do. So an angel knows all it needs to know and then wills either for or against God all at once, whereas we are given a lifetime to come to know God and to will God rather than rebel against him, to draw closer to God rather than to reject him, so that when we die, our will is fixed because that is the fruit of our lifelong decisions. Just something to contemplate. It's also important to remember that even though they are intellectual beings like us, their intellect is far superior to ours. They are incredibly intelligent and incredibly powerful. Angels in scripture are often presented as terrifying, not some flying baby, but a terrifying being that causes us to fall on our faces as if dead. So they are very, very powerful creatures, more akin to God in that sense than we are in the power of their intellect and their will. And while that might be kind of terrifying to think about, 
it's also really wonderful to think about how these creatures serve not only God, but serve humanity. That God has given the angels as his servants in view of our salvation. Thinking about today's feast day of the archangels, you have Gabriel, Michael, and Raphael having important roles in salvation history. But also a daily reflection should be our guardian angel. We have these incredibly powerful beings given to us by God to watch over us and protect us and to be our companions in this life, to help us avoid sin, to keep us from danger. We should always be conscious of our guardian angel. It's not some fanciful little bedtime story that we're told that some dude with wings is walking beside us, but it's an incredibly powerful being given specifically to us to help us on the way to salvation. On the other hand, it's also important to note that there's spiritual warfare going on all around us. There are these incredibly powerful and intelligent evil spirits as well all around us that this invisible warfare is going on all the time and we ought to always be aware of it. And it often manifests itself in the events of the world, in political and cultural things. So we should always rely on our guardian angel to help us, especially when things around us are increasingly and intensely evil. So while some of these questions might seem like unimportant ones, you know, knowing how angels think and how they will and that they're different species and all that, the richness of the angelic orders should be awe-inspiring to us. That as rich and as beautiful as our visible world is, there's an invisible world that's just as, if not more rich and varied as the world we see around us that in heaven we will see the, the many choirs of angels and see and learn even more about God by learning more about them. And there's no reason we can't start doing that in this life, to learn more about angels, to be more aware of angels and their action in this life, in this world. And this, as all things in theology, ought to bring us closer to God. So if you'd like to do more study on this, uh, St. Thomas's writings on this are the most important, but for a more condensed and accessible version, there's a book you can get called The Angels in Catholic Teaching and Tradition. It's by Father Pascale Parente, P-A-R-E-N-T-E. Very good summary, and it's mostly based on the teaching of St. Thomas Aquinas. Thank you for listening to Catholic Daily Brief. Please become a member at patreon.com slash catholicdailybrief to support this podcast. Also follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and give a five-star rating and a good review. God bless.